When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Actually, it is odd thinking about it that De Niro does uh, one punch knockout every single person and every opportunity he does apart from the one person he probably should at the exact moment he should to solve the rest of the film what was that point it's basically what the other bounty hunter does punches Charles Grodin the moment he says he's afraid of flying yeah he'll be asleep he'll be asleep through the whole thing you're fine he should have done a Mr. T did a Mr. T on him yeah yeah make him drink his milk yeah Hello, hello, you're listening to episode 62. Hello, film fans. Today on Flix Watch Pod, we are going to be talking about Midnight Run. And as always, Kobe is here. Hello. And we're also joined by John. Hello. And Tom. Hello there. I've been recently listening to all of my podcasts and all of my music using the Studio Regent headphone, which is a premium on-ear model Bluetooth headphone, which means there's no wires, people, which did scare me. I didn't want anything else to charge up. But the battery life is 24 hours, which is amazing. And you can get your own pair of the Studio Regent at studio.com. Think Phil Collins. Su, su, studio. Use the offer code FLIXWATCHER and you'll get 15% off any purchase. And you get free delivery worldwide. So if you are in Timbuktu, they'll fly it over to you. Hashtag poet. Come find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod. Visit the website flixwatcher.tv for full listings and don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us an awesome review. And as we always say, guys, all the films were available on Netflix at the time of recording. There was going to be bad language, there's going to be spoilers, and we hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. In our little recording studio today, we have John and Tom. Would you like to tell the listeners about your podcast, uh, where they might be able to hear you? Yes, sure. Um, We are uh, two-thirds of Best Pick Pod, uh, where we watch, uh, assess, and discuss the winners of the Best Picture Award from the uh, Academy Awards uh, in no particular order. We draw them randomly out of a hat and... uh, look up facts about that film about the year in film and about that specific oscar ceremony Mm. um one thing that kind of strikes me is that a lot of these oscar films uh, are quite long and you guys you guys watch the film together don't you before before going into the discussion so it's quite must make for quite some long uh sometimes sometimes two on in a day wow (laughs) the way you said that no we we started by doing four in a weekend Mm. Which was 
it, it was very entertaining, but we were, I think we were all flagging uh, by the, the end one. of the fourth one. Yeah. And it was, and it was a shame because the fourth one was really good. And um, then when, when Ben Hur came out of the hat, we did go, okay, we probably need this, to give this one a day on its own. Yeah. <laughs> because that is a long movie. We, we have managed, I think, a good chunk of the really long ones. I mean, we've managed at least three full epics yeah. with intervals. And that's it, uh, before you even get to at least a couple of the other ones. But, the, but there does seem to be, if, there seems to be an endless list of long ones, if you'll uh, pardon the choice of word. The Academy does seem to equate length with quality. Mm. There's a stat I came across recently that although Best Picture winners run the gamut from like barely over 90 minutes to well over three hours, given the list of nominees, the longest film on that list will win about 40% of the time. Right. Oh, wow. It's good to know for gambling next year on the yeah. Oscars. It hasn't been true, but for about the last seven or eight years, I should say. Okay. <laughs> before you start These running off the These are not so good odds. Yeah, I think but, people are getting sick of longer yeah. films outside of the, the worthy ones. Yeah. Um, so you chose, Tom, um, Midnight Run. Yes, I did. Uh, can you let us know yes. why you chose it? And also uh, a short and snappy synopsis. I saw this movie when it first came out. Uh, I was on holiday in the States mm. and I think we were like staying with another family and there was uh, no scheduled activity. So we decided to go to the movies and I'd never seen a movie in a cinema with an American audience before. And it's a different experience. Mm. They don't... Uh, you know, Shut up. They don't clap politely at the end <laughs> and then stand for the national anthem. Uh, they're whooping and cheering all the way through. And I had a wonderful time watching this movie and I've seen it several times since. And uh, I just think it's a really, really good example of the type. So this is an 80s comedy. It's Robert De Niro as a bounty hunter who has to track down a mob informant who's played by the rather sort of fussy, prissy Charles Grodin. And it takes much longer than expected for them to get back to the bail bondsman. (laughs) And they have all sorts of adventures along the way. They're pursued by the FBI by the mob, by a rival bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. And one of the joys of the film is the way in which all these various gangs and people manage to intersect with each other and pursue their own agendas while getting in each other's way, sometimes deliberately, sometimes accidentally. And it's full of really good comedy performances and well-plotted and great score, and it's it's a fine time. You'll have have fun. (laughs) If you haven't watched it, just stop listening now. Put on Midnight Run, you'll have a good time. Yeah, because we'll go into spoilers. We will. Pretty much now. Um, Should we start with you, Helen? You've seen this a few times before. I've seen this loads of times before. So I was trying to work out when I would have seen this, but I imagine, so what, came out in 1998. How long would it have taken to get... 88, sorry. How long would it have taken to get to VHS, do you think? Maybe two years? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Kids, this is how it used to be. (laughs) Yeah. So... um, yeah, so I guess probably from about 1990 to maybe what, maybe 93, probably would have seen it, I don't know, like once every few months or something. Oh, it would wow. have been one oh. of the ones that would have been regularly dragged a, out. A, a favourite from not even Blockbuster, it would have been a, the local video shop that would have been repeatedly chosen, even though I would have been incredibly underage. But <laughs> yes. I was quite, I didn't realise then that it's um it's it's from... Mr. Beverly Hills Cop. So it's kind yeah. of essentially planes, trains and automobiles in the Beverly Hills Cop style. So you've got kind of more swearing and it's a little bit more There is roguish. a hilarious made-for-TV version, which I tried to track down, but I couldn't find it. 
which uh, when it was shown on TV in the 90s, most of the swearing was removed rather clumsily. Well, yeah, the swearing is the funny bit a lot of the time. Yes. Little fact, they say the word fuck 119 times in this film. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is not quite Tarantino levels, but it's, it's fairly not, impressive. But it was, it's about it, one a minute, isn't it? Yeah, for for those times, it yeah. was quite a lot excessive. But you really. barely notice that. I can, I can I literally yeah. think of one sentence with it because it's a really good joke. Which 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 is um I, I, and I've got I've I've got one word for you shut the fuck up <laughs> yes so I've got a little list here of uh, of antecedents uh, because I think this is a film which is of its time mm-hmm. and I think it's drawing on a lot of other th- similar things that were going on uh, but actually the one I'll start with is there's a bunch of people who hate each other chained chained together movies of which the most famous is the Defiant ones which is um, uh, Tony Curtis chained to Sidney Poitier. Okay. But uh, the earliest one I could find was the 39 Steps Hitchcock film from the 30s in which Robert Dunant and Madeleine Carroll are chained together for about half an hour in the middle. Uh, And then it's also a road movie and it's a kind of road movie where people make trips by a variety of less and less luxurious means (laughs) as the film goes on. So you already mentioned planes, trains and automobiles. Uh, Also, the the other one that that stood out for me is Rain Man made the same year, which even uses the same excuse which is that the weird one won't fly. Oh, I have not even <laughs> thought of that. Yeah. And then it's really amazingly familiar uh, or amazingly similar to a movie I only saw recently, which is The Last Detail, which no, really? is a 1973 Jack Nicholson movie in which uh, Nicholson is one of two uh, like um, Marines, I think, who have to escort a prisoner cross country. And it even has a similar thing. There's a bit in Midnight Run where they go to see Robert De Niro's uh, ex-wife and there's an almost identical scene like they go to a suburban neighborhood and they uh, briefly reunite randy quaid with his mother uh and then the uh, the last thing is uh i think also at this time there was this renewed interest in screwball comedy people were looking back to those screwball films of the 1930s and so moonlighting was on tv jonathan demi was making something wild and there's a definite element of that that was driving these 80s comedy. Obviously, we talked about Beverly Hills Cop, mm. which is the same. Is it the same director? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, it, and practically the same logo as well. That incredible True, 80s logo with the block caps and then the yeah. like... Graffiti. The, like, yeah, like uh, paintbrush style. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of other similar movies going on at the same time. But this, I think, really is one of the best and not talked about in the same breath as... Lethal Weapon or Beverly Hills Cop or these other films. Planes, Trains. And that kind of ties in with the fact I've, this is the first time I've seen it. And it surprises me that it's the first time I've seen it. What did you think of it? um, I generally really enjoyed it. And you can see all, I mean, there's one shot, um, ladies and gentlemen, obviously the the guys that listen a lot know that we kind of have a wall of images. And there's one shot um, on the top um, row where the two guys in the coach, and that smacks of, Planes, trains, and automobile yeah. scene when they're singing in the in the bus and um, Steve Martin's character sings Three Coins in the Fountain and everyone <laughs> yes. just dies a death and John Candy revives it with the Flintstones. <laughs> yes. um, so yeah, I, I, that is. I'm not sure if it's a trope, but I like the idea of you saying less and less luxurious yeah. forms of, of transport going through going through a system. They are so smug on that first class yeah. plane. Uh, just thinking about the steak he's going to order. <laughs> He just knew it wasn't going to pan out that way. Um, Robert De Niro had just come off The Untouchables, which is kind of you know, De Niro doing his De Niro thing, mm-hmm. and was looking for a comedy. 
he decided that he wanted to broaden his range, he wanted to try and do something new, and there was a comedy script that was being set up which he actively lobbied to play the lead role in. Does anyone know what movie this was? I do. It was big. Oh, yes. He was lobbying yeah. to play the Tom oh. Hanks role in big. He thought that was going to be... I, oh, God, I <laughs> yeah. can't even... Yeah. yeah. Oh. Can you imagine him singing Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Pop Shimmy Shimmy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I now I think I'll I'll just be that be running through my head when I go to sleep. The image of yeah him doing that. God. And I imagine this was then the start of Robert De Niro's comedy career. But I went and looked it up, and actually he doesn't do another comedy for about another ten years after this. What about sorry, um, King of Comedy? How does that fall in the comedy spectrum? King of Comedy is a drama. Okay, but he he still has to have. Comic chops yes. to yeah. do it, but yeah. it is yeah. definitely a drama. Yeah. Okay, he's playing. He's playing a comedian. That's not quite the same. Yeah. Um. What I mean. What are your general thoughts on De Niro as, as a comic actor? Because I, in this, when you compare to Planes, Trains, Automobiles, Beverly Hills Cop, there's a there's typically a quippy one, and I don't think he's a quippy kind of um comic. It hasn't got the quicky kind of timbre or or speed of of delivery that Steve Martin or Eddie. Eddie Murphy has so I think the comedy here for me kind of came more by just their in- interplay with yeah. each other and how, how things played out so I never really rate De Niro as a comedic actor and I think he's just in um, is a good actor in, in in sitcom type situations maybe he plays the getting annoid very well yeah, yeah <laughs> which is what happens for this film in various degrees to, yeah. to Charles Grodin's comedy man he's the Abbott his Costello or possibly the way around I haven't actually seen an Abbott Costello <laughs> film all the way through but uh, I think what I was surprised this time around because obviously De Niro has played lots of psychopaths, cold characters, and I was really surprised just at how likable he is. And I, I think you're right. I think the script is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Mm. I think De Niro just has to to show up and and be his brilliant self. He doesn't need to suddenly develop a whole new arsenal of comedy tricks. Yeah, he's a very very fine actor. But I I misremembered how just charming and likable he is, and how much on his side I was all the way through. I, I think there are there are definitely a few moments I found in it which felt very distinctly De Niro-esque, but then also managed to have a comedic spin-up. There's a, there's a lovely little weird moment um, early on when he gets Alonzo's FBI badge and he's walking down the street and then he just spins around and almost Travis Bickles with it. <laughs> yes. This kind of thing, this is my badge. You can sort of see that go through, he doesn't say it, but you can see it happening, and but he pulls the sort of the full-on De Niro face, and it's a very de- weirdly De Niro moment. Yeah, um, and that's done really neatly. That feel, there's a lot of bits that feel kind of a bit improvised um, throughout. That that's one of the bits which felt like they just let the camera run, and he just did that, mm. and that's quite neat. Um, there's another bit which is again a little bit odd when he kind of. Um, when he figures out what he's going to do as a plan when he gets off the phone and there's just a moment of him just sat in a chair where it's maybe about five or ten seconds of him just like moving, shifting, isn't quite figure out to go, right, okay, tell him I want to make it. There's a big yeah. long gap there mm. for no apparent reason, but it's just him going to see. But the bit that um, I think my favourite moment in the film um, is him doing a comedic beat, which is perfectly timed and done quite subtly and quite carefully to the degree that uh, I was watching it with a friend of mine who, who missed this bit completely, <laughs> uh, which is um, shouting down the phone uh, to the um, very 
how old is Joe Pantoliano anyway? Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I think he was born yeah. at forty-eight. Yeah, exactly. This thing he must be really young, but he he looks older than he does in the Matrix. And then um, he's in Sopranos. Yeah, well. yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so he kind of shouts shout on the phone. He says, or and the line approximately along the lines of, "I'm gonna burn him up and dump his body in the lake." And with, without breaking a beat, looks at Grodin, shakes his head, and then carries on with the, uh, the, <laughs> yes. the abuse. That is the my favourite comedic yeah. beat in the film. Um, so I think he does have a, a strong comedic sensibility because it, it's just um, a little bit less obvious than, say, the Steve Martin in Planes, Trades and Automobiles, which I kind of actually warm to a bit more. I mean, De Niro, mm. I slightly warm to a bit more doing it. I, I think... Whilst I think I don't think of him as a comedic actor, I'm thinking I've kind of tended to like him when he does comedy because I think of bits in like... Um, Analyze This. I'm thinking more Stardust. Analyze This is a good one. Oh, yeah. It's Stardust a, is a great got a turn, nice little bit in Stardust. And, That's true. And genuinely, I, 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 I'm ashamed to admit this, I... You love Dirty Grandpa? No, no. <laughs> no, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. I genuinely quite enjoyed him in the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh dear. Um, I saw it, I had a free afternoon and he's at least having fun. We're looking for a new host for the Best yeah. Day podcast <laughs> and I just wondered if either of you two were free. Uh, generally, it's just yeah. the fact that you do like marathon films back to back. Yeah, and yeah it is a problem. It takes that time out there. You know. uh, maybe <laughs> maybe re-employed there, John. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> My uh, favourite joke, which I'd forgotten about, is there's a lovely little detail that... Joe Pantaleone, uh, uh, <laughs> Joey Pants, Joey Pants is uh, second in command. When things go well, wants to celebrate by going out and buying donuts, and when things are going badly, wants to commiserate by going out and buying donuts. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. I yeah. Let's talk with Joe Pantaleone for a bit. That was this his first film. He has he has a name. Obviously, he takes some screen time here. Um, he's one of the people you can recognise just by his voice. So even if you didn't weren't looking at the screen that's Joey Joey Pants <laughs> how old was he in this film then I don't no know no idea he must be can't, it can't be more than 30s surely yeah, just by virtue right. of when what he's doing now and yeah. what he looks like now yeah because yeah. Matrix was 99 I think yeah I, I wonder if because I wonder if he's that kind of person who gets really bold very early on mm. and tries to maintain and, and, it but yeah and, and but that kind of makes him look older than he is <laughs> yeah. and, and sleazier than he is particularly with his sort of long hair so yeah it, 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 he was a surprise I mean there's also you've got um, Dennis Farina again who's kind of and again he's one where you're going he looks exactly the same as he does maybe about 20 years later <laughs> were these people just born old <laughs> Charles Grodin, someone who I only came to know from oh, Beethoven. Be- Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, the confessions, the confessions. It is, yeah, it's all coming out now. I, I, I think Charles Grodin is a, is a bit underrated. I like Charles Grodin. I haven't seen him in much because nobody has. But um, <laughs> yeah, so That's what I was thinking. What, was the, it just, the, the other one is, I, I just love this as a pitch. Um, the other famous Charles Grodin film that I can think of is uh, where he is the evil... Um, swindler and seductor is seductor a word seducer seducer that's better um the the evil swindler and seducer who is out to steal a, a diamond from diana rig and he does this by seducing miss piggy 
Um, <laughs> uh, in, in a big, big evil plan, which is the Great Muppet Caper. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I wouldn't, wouldn't recognise anyone's uh, anyone as an actor but, but, when d- I was a kid, but I'm really, I want to watch it now. I think evil Charles Grodin seduces Miss Piggy to steal a diamond off Diana Rigg. The fact that people just saw that as a picture went, yep, yeah, we're, we're buying that, yeah. commission that. <laughs> that is the sort of crazy-ass filmmaking I like. The other thing I noticed about this film, and it's by no means unique in this respect for films made at the time, but everybody smokes yes. all of the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A they lot smoke of smoking. In the street, they smoke in offices, they smoke on trains, they smoke on planes, they smoke while eating. If there was a sex scene in this film, th- th- people would be smoking during. Yeah. Uh, it is extraordinary. And sugar in coffee. Oh, my God. How much sugar? <laughs> Another trope in this film from the that was from the eighties was the was a one punch knockout. Yes, which we commented on that everyone oh, yes. gets a perfect punch and it knocks them out with no visible markings on the face or blood or yeah. this is one of those anything sort else. Of storytelling devices that we've just kind of come to accept as a thing that <laughs> yeah. happens in the world. It's if you hit somebody, what will happen is they'll fall down, they'll then have a little sleep, and then they'll wake up. Uh, Just enough time five, later. Five to 60 minutes later, depending on the demands of the plot, <laughs> suffering no effects. Being hit in the head so hard that you lose consciousness is called concussion. Yeah. It is not the, the effects of which cannot be shaken off after a five minute snooze. You need to go to hospital. You have had a serious medical emergency. Actually, it is odd thinking about it that De Niro does uh, one punch knockout every single person and every opportunity he does apart from the one person he probably should at the exact moment he should to solve the rest of the film what was that point well he should just pretty much what um is it martin balsam the other uh, bounty hunter does punch him the moment he says it's he's not martin balsam it's Ooh. uh is it john ashton oh yes. yeah john it's ashton. not martin balsam uh, yeah it's, it's basically what the other bounty hunter does punches charles grodin the moment he says he's afraid, afraid of flying yeah he'll be asleep he'll be asleep through the whole thing you're fine he should have done a mr t did a mr t on him yeah oh. yeah make him drink his milk <laughs> yeah um can i can i one one thing i do find ever so slightly aggravating about this and not uh, as a slight flaw in the storytelling um whilst i do enjoy the fact that this is largely a film about lots of different threads colliding against each other and causing problems so the fbi the other bounty hunter uh the mafia they all kind of hit each other and and affect each other in every way every now and then that means i'm slightly struggling with the fact that he doesn't get himself out of trouble that i quite want the heroes to survive and get through it because of their own ingenuity. There are two moments in the film when they are both basically dead, but for the fact that they've had all of these people set onto them. In fact, I, it's, it makes it feel slightly bad that at the end, um, De Niro is so so aggressively going, well, you're not going to see him uh, because you're a lying son of a bitch to Joe Pantoliano, because if Joe Pantoliano hadn't um, set the other bounty hunter on him, yeah, he he'd be dead multiple times. If, mm. he, if they hadn't had the wire in his office being tapped... Robert De Niro would be dead. It's the the two distinct moments when you think, I just wish there was a slightly cleverer way or they'd outthought the villains a little bit more. Um, that's the only slight aggravation I have. I think that's... Oh, I don't know. I was, I was not so happy about the, the coincidental nature of all the three groups coming together and splitting apart and coming together or not just at the right time for them to, to escape. I thought it was too... I mean, I think watching it for the first time now is a very, very different experience from me watching it when I was about 10 and thinking mm. it was the best thing ever mm. and thinking it was hilarious. I mean, it's... I think what, what mitigates what you're talking about is that everyone is making smart decisions with the information they have to hand. 
So unlike certain films I could mention, nobody is taking actions solely designed to further the plot. The decisions that they're taking, mm. which result in them, I agree, arriving at convenient moments, are you don't feel the puppet master's hand pulling the strings. They are reasonable decisions. They're good. And I think overall, one of the things I like about the Daenerys character is he is very smart. He is very capable. He doesn't make good decisions most of the time. Mm. Yes, he gets saved by luck a few times, but I think you're allowed to do that once or twice. I think overall the balance is pretty good. When he's saved by the bounty hunter, the other bounty hunter mm. a couple of times, unwittingly, I thought that was... I just didn't, I didn't buy the other bounty hunters so much. Although I love the fact he's played Roseburg in Beverly Hills Cop. Hmm. Uh, but that is what that character would do. Yeah. He absolutely would do that. So you can take him out, but then all you, all you do is make the film thinner. Yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I think I don't entirely mind the level of coincidence. The only one I didn't buy is him turning up at the airport at the end, which just feels a little bit... That's there a is, bit that's there's a no bit, justification yeah. for that other than this is very and, convenient time and happen to glance over, oh, yeah. that's the guy, just <laughs> at the exact moment. And to be honest, yeah, you, you could have taken that out because it doesn't it doesn't actually change anything, does it? Not no. especially. So, I think, yeah, yeah for so me, it was it's, the, it's, him driving up in the yeah. car and then that, that coincidental point and also the airport... Uh, point where he knew he was going to do the double t- I was just waiting for that double take of what what that's the guy I've been chasing for so long um, can we talk about the helicopter we could talk about the helicopter <laughs> that on. was a really good explosion yeah <laughs> <laughs> so one of our one of our good friends uh, from our film quiz team uh, Will has got a blog and podcast called Exploding Helicopter and his niche is that he goes just goes to visits films that have an exploding helicopter in it um, and this was one he reviewed quite recently yeah so if you want an in-depth analysis of specifically the the helicopter and other bits of Midnight Run then you should check out his podcast but um, yeah it's a pretty good one for its era mm. I would say and I forgot I that it existed it Mm, yeah <laughs> I'm quite excited though that sounds like a great podcast yeah because I'm just thinking I'm already just l- I, n- nipping through them in my head we're going well obviously there's Die Hard with a Vengeance there's From Russia with Love you know so, <laughs> there'll be others I'll have to have a thing does Little yeah. Nelly count uh, y- yes yeah I've never ooh, that <laughs> no it's, yeah, you only live twice as yes. far as I call it it's yeah, the yeah. little mini sort of rotobladed gyro- yes yeah mm-hmm. I think that counts um, I'm sure it's probably already been covered. Probably, yeah. There's there's a lot of James Bond exploding helicopters. Uh, it is interesting though that the exploding helicopter is even there because I I kind of in my head <laughs> thought this is a bit of like a bit of a buddy action comedy and it it's not really apart from that that's like a bit where it suddenly goes now Pop we're an action, action film yeah. for about five minutes and then we're fine we're fine that- we go back to the we go back to the planes trains and automobiles again now where where did the helicopter come from because it just came out of nowhere like Airwolf and there's a lot of maneuvering maneuvering suddenly De Niro knew how to drive a car magnificently. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, and the bit where it sort of manages to fly over them yeah. and get the other side of a ravine without being noticed. Where they go, have we lost it? Have we lost it? So no, you've not lost it. It's a helicopter. You're in a car. You've not lost it. Usual laws of movie-making physics. Mm. If it's off camera, Can't it is invisible <laughs> to all protagonists. Yes. And, and also silent until it needs yes. not to be. Yeah. Um, but again, like Midnight Run is hardly the only movie to commit this sin. No. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, there's, yeah. some, there's some magnificent exploding helicopters uh, that come from lesser experience but I think <laughs> this one was um, as Will explained Helen do you want to well I was in, intrigued as to how how it actually happened and uh, he explained it the the actual gunshot doesn't cause the explosion it damages the tail rotor and then it spins into the cliff that's how the explosion happens yeah. the steadying rotor the was destroyed yeah, yeah. 
Um, there's lots and lots of ways. It's a good to, shot. Yeah, there's lots. Of, yeah, that's another. That's another thing. It's like the '80s super shot. Yes. It's either you're spraying bullets and missing everyone, or you've got the perfect shot that does exactly the right thing at the yep. right exactly time. Exactly the right time. Yeah. And the one and the one one punch knockout. Yeah, the other thing I made a little list of is, is the you know, movies that this influenced. Mm. Uh, so uh, we said Robert De Niro goes on to a career which has a more wide range of films. The first proper comedy I could find that he did after this one was Wag the Dog, which was 97. Oh, okay. We talked about Analyze This and then obviously Meet the Parents mm-hmm. and it's whatever it is now, 15 sequels. Uh, there's also about seven or eight years after this, you see the emergence of big silly action movies with big stars to flesh out the parts. And that, again, I think it's something that Midnight Run has going for it. Midnight Run wasn't written for, but absolutely squarely rests on the shoulders of De Niro and Grodin. If you don't enjoy their relationship and their banter, if you don't buy those characters, then the whole film doesn't work at all. So similarly, The Rock is worth watching as much for the performances as it is Mm. for the action sequences. Same with Con Air and again, so on and so on and so on. And then the other film that really reminded me of is Get Shorty. Okay. Some cast crossovers, Dennis Farina. Yeah. It's it's it feels like a similar story, though in fact it's set in rather a different world. It's got sort of mobsters in it, but it's got that same feeling of double crosses, coincidences, different yeah. parties yeah. trying to do different things no, at the same time. It, yeah. uh, and a, a similar sort of jazzy score, but by a different composer. Looks like you've got some uh, new headphones today. Yeah, my head weighs a lot more than it normally does in the morning. Um, yeah. And where are they from? These are from Studio. These are the Regent brand on-ear headphones. And they're super cool. 24 hours battery life, and they sound amazing. It's all, it's all about the sound. Who cares about the battery I life? I mean, the battery life is amazing. That is true. I could just be listening to Radiohead on loop for 24 hours. I could listen to Blur on loop for 24 hours, and it wouldn't run out. That's or like Jay-Z on loop good. for 24 hours. And their wireless as well. Or the strokes on loop for 24 hours. Or anything else yeah. on loop for 24 hours. <laughs> and yeah, they're wireless and connect super simple to my uh, to my iPhone or anything like that. And you can get 15% discount, Helen, if you go to studio.com if you want to buy some. Ooh. Just use the offer code FLIXWATCHER, as in our podcast name. That's how you tie it all together in a sponsored post like this. <laughs> Right, I think let's head into the scores and rate this film. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So these are uh, painted. Well, we've not got around to it yet. Um, <laughs> Flex Watcher scores. It cost uh, quite a bit of money. I looked into it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the first one up is the recommendability. These are all out of five. If you feel like adding a decimal place, then you can. Three. Um, and we'll start with you, Tom, because it was your choice. I can think of very few people who wouldn't like this. Uh, I'm sure some people like it more than others. But if you like fun and good <laughs> things, then... Do you like food uh, or, or air? <laughs> yes. If you, if then you, you like Midnight Run. So uh, four points... Can I do 4.75? Absolutely. Fantastic. 4.75. What would be a five-star film for you? Because you, this, this seems quite close. I'm not sure this is the answer to your question, but I showed, with not an eye... 
to yeah. two Americans who'd never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, and they laughed like drains all the way through. <laughs> uh, so Whistle Life turns out to be much more recommendable than I thought it was. Because okay. I, I worried it might not cross the, uh, the, the language barrier, but it seems that it does. Uh, Some Like It Hot is probably a five out of five. I can't imagine anyone not liking Some Like It Hot. I've met people. Really? Mm. Do wow. we know them? Uh, I know them, yeah. Oh, we don't. Do, do you still know them? Have, have, you, not, have you not shunned them was, from your society? Uh, one of them, yeah, it was one. One of them was my best man at my wedding. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you hear that offer I made about joining the best pick podcast? <laughs> like to formally rescind it? <laughs> well, because I know someone who doesn't like. But, yes. Yeah. By yeah. association. Oh, yeah. Shit. Uh, <laughs> hold on. That may, we've now met. So we know someone who knows someone. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. Just double checking. So. <laughs> okay. Um, John, um, I think I've got to go four point five. I I generally think I would happily recommend this to anyone. I think if there's anything that's knocking me off a full five, it it's the fact it's ever so slightly something I've seen before. So as I say, planes, trains, and automobiles, it does feel quite close to that. That's it's. It's not quite stretching cinema, so I would, you'd have a great time with doing it. But every now and then you kind of go, yeah, it's it's just going to knock it down a little bit. Mm. Okay, Helen. Um, I mean, we haven't really talked about it. It's two hours and six minutes long. It is a little bit longer than it really needs to be. I re- rewatching it now. It's it's could be just a little bit tighter. Did I you, think for my. Did you feel re-watching. that they went into too many different forms of transport? Maybe. No, but I think you could trim a good 30 minutes of it, possibly here and there, just with bits that didn't need to be there. I don't think you could trim 30 minutes of it. I certainly think... 20. It, it looks like a film <laughs> from Bartering. the 80s, just yeah. in terms of the pace and the rhythm of the editing. You could, you could certainly take out five minutes of people getting out of cars and walking in and out of doors, <laughs> which uh, you just don't bother with these days, but mm. it was just a different rhythm, a different style. I saw an interview with... Um, uh, David Fincher hmm. and he was saying that the last stage of editing because it's all digital these days and you can do what you like he refers to it as frame fucking because he's literally taking a frame out here hmm. and ending this shot a frame earlier and putting one frame in there um, I thought initially when they went into the train carriage I was like another one but then that turns into the chicken fucking discussion do you like animals? Yeah, because some of the. <laughs> yes. I, I thought that, that that was probably my favourite discourse between the two. I think that was. That was the improv bit. I, that, think, I think that was that was improv. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was my favourite part of the of their of their chat with, between the film. Apart from some, there's some really nice sweet bits like when they went back to De Niro's ex-wife mm. and Charles could see that he was genu- genuinely upset about their past and how they separated and and that's where you can those kind of beats you probably don't see so much in yeah. in these other buddy films yes yeah, helen would cut that out <laughs> no i'd keep that in i'd also keep we haven't mentioned it but um i particularly i didn't remember it but i found the chorizo and eggs bit quite funny oh, whether yeah. in, in in the cafe and they're offered chorizo and eggs oh yes and they have enough yeah, money yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and just, oh, and they're, just they're, they needed um, explaining what it was, and it was just kind of it was just kind of <laughs> yes. like one of these really bizarre. That's moments. very eighties, though. Isn't yeah. it? Well, he doesn't know what Chorizo and eggs calls himself an accountant. Mm. The uh, the the counterfeit bill scene is one of my favourites as well. Yeah, they're both having so much fun in that scene. Characters and actors are having a ball. Yeah, yeah. And again, little tiny touches of, that seem to be improvisation, just like Charles Grodin just talking to the guy next to him, where you just go, that doesn't look <laughs> planned. 
because it's not quite neat enough. It's not, yeah. it's not badly acted, but <laughs> yes. it's just a bit of kind of going. Feels like there would be a punchline there if you'd written it, <laughs> but there isn't quite. But that's 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 what I like about it, the non sequitur yeah. of it. Um, what, was your, what was your rating? Sorry, I didn't give it. Yeah, no, so no. yeah, I mean, for this film is kind of nostalgia for me. I've I've grown up watching it. Um, I'm not sure how I'd feel watching it the sort of fresh now, but um, for that reason, I'm going to give it a four. All right. I I'm going to give it a four, um, which surprised me because I thought you were going to go a bit higher than than that. But I think for the same reason as yourself, this this was my first time watching it, and I can. I can only, I have to, in my mind, compare it with Plain Strains and Beverly Hills Cop and Every Which Way But Loose. Um, <laughs> and those are the ones in there. Yeah, I mean, it's... Towers leaps to mind as another one. Yeah, yeah. got those things. Um, and in that, I directly compare Steve Martin and Eddie Eddie Murphy to Robert De Niro and they just don't really tie up. But also, I think there's a lot of fun to be had here, more than I thought. And it kind of surprised me that it did let me, it did pass me by. Um so four straight up four repeat viewing score tom i really enjoyed watching this again i i think i benefited from not having seen it for at least half a dozen years okay so i think it is rewatchable but it's not one of those movies that's going to you're going to keep finding hidden depths to Mm. it because it is just entertainment it doesn't have a lot of hidden depths but i don't think it it dies second time around so four john i watched Midnight Run last year with my mum, about maybe about six months ago. Mm. And so when it came up that Tom's selection was going to do this part, I was just going, oh, do I, I have to watch Midnight Run again? <laughs> do I have to do that again? So I just thought, you know what? I'll, I'll, like, I'll bung it on and I'll just have something I'm doing on the other. Just kind of just to remind myself of all of these things. And I started watching it and I just couldn't stop. I, I just was going, no, I'm just watching this again. I'm just thoroughly enjoying this. So I've got to give it a five because I could watch it again six months later and just still thoroughly enjoy mm. all of it and it all felt quite nice and fresh and uh, and I had a really good time doing that. But that was what, that was the kind of thing, so I'm going to put a five down, but that was the kind of thing we did in the 80s where you mm. had limited choice and you would just watch the same film. Yeah, let's, you know, it's been three weeks, let's watch Beverly Hills Cop again. Let's watch Dirty uh, Watching Scoundrels again because we have them on VHS and it's sunny outside but hey they're always on TV yeah they're always on yeah. TV and do you want a Dirty Rotten Scandals fact Let's, yeah. a- absolutely Dirty Rotten Scandals is a remake it's oh. a remake of a film called Bedtime Story mm-hmm. with a basically identical plot in which the two parts are played by David Niven and Rob and uh, Marlon Brando Bedtime Surprise Story I'm surprised it hasn't come up before yeah because we've, we've reviewed Dirty Rotten Scandals before yeah. And we did not have that. We had loads of other facts about who it could, who could have been, have been yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. Wasn't it Mick Jagger was supposed to be one yeah, of Yeah, Mick Jagger and David Bowie. <laughs> what? Yep, they were. Every, every time, it's one of the things I tend to do a lot with the best pick is I look at alternate casting choices mm. and uh, some of them are just insane. And the amount of times you will see a list thinking, wow, this is clearly being plotted by an idiot. I think that the two favourite ones I've ever seen one was um, we had recently Schindler's List, and one of the original casting options for that was Mel Gibson. That would have worked out terribly well <laughs> in the remaining years, wouldn't it? That one's automatically funny. My favourite, I think, of all time is when they were planning to do a sequel to Mary Poppins, and they I think they'd got Julie Andrews back. This was in the eighties, mm. and for some reason they weren't going to go with Dick Van Dyke. I think they wanted to like aim it a bit younger, a bit trendier, try and get people interested, and so they went with I think uh, Bert the Sweep's brother or cousin, some relation of Bert the Sweep, and they were going to have that part played 
by Michael Jackson. <laughs> I wish I was making that up. <laughs> and we talked about the abomination that would have been big had Robert oh, De Niro. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, that just sounds atrocious. It's always hard to know how seriously these things have been contemplated. Mm. There are lots of screen tests floating around the internet for people who look like they're auditioning to play James Bond in the 80s. Uh, what these screen tests don't tell you is that Roger Moore refused to sign multi-picture deals. Oh, right. So he just won at so a time. There was, so there was a, this game of poker between him. the producers and the, and the actor. Uh, the the, the uh, Roger Moore saying, well, maybe I won't come back for another one. Mm. And then Broccoli saying, well, maybe we don't need you. And so some of these auditions may simply be trying to drive Roger Moore's price down. There, there's another great one, which I know of an actor... And I won't mention his name because it's his story and I don't necessarily want to... But he um, turned down the role of... I think it was like the submarine or um, boat captain at the beginning of Tomorrow Never Dies um, because he quite fancied the idea of playing James Bond at some point. Um, he, he hasn't. It's not that famous. Um, and But then what he did, because the producers liked him and thought he was quite posh and quite sort of English, uh, they, they, they basically got him to read in with all the Bond girls. And, and at least one of them went completely nuts, just like draping herself over him and snogging his face off for ages. All the crew are just apparently like raising thumbs up at him from behind the camera whilst he's desperately trying to get out of the room. Yeah, so so that might be another one. Somebody who go, this looks like it's a, it's a screen test for a joke, but it's really not. <laughs> it's assault. Uh, Helen? So, uh, yes, repeat, repeat viewing. Um, I mean... I'd love to know how many times I've actually seen this. I mean, we must be at least 10 plus, maybe more than that. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of weekends. If, if you've watched this in the 80s for the first time, you've, you've watched it, yeah, double digits. Um, do I need to, I don't know how soon I need to see it again. I probably would watch it again. Um, I'm going to go four. All right. I, I, um, it's going to be lower than you guys, but I think I do need to watch it again. Because I think there's probably a few th- a few things I missed, or my frame of mind wasn't quite with it, or still being put off by De Niro in a comedic role, um, not being Eddie Murphy, not being Steve Martin, which is I don't know, it's, it's very harsh on me, I think. But I think there's a lot. Of- little, I think that's a little bit harsh. Yes. I mean, De Niro had never really done a film like this, yeah. So it was quite kind of a a, a, a change for him, especially if, like if you've been watching his films. In sequence, then, yeah. yeah. This was the first Robert De Niro film I ever saw. Was it? So I was I was reading stuff like oh, Robert De Niro does a comedy. I was going, boy, what was him kind of funny to me? <laughs> then later, watching Taxi Driver, going, oh. And Godfather, oh, Godfather, yeah, yeah okay. Hmm. Um, what did I say? I guess my own mind. But you said four. Did you say four? I didn't you, say four. No, I don't know. No, no, you're going a bit lower. I you didn't say it yet. We hadn't had the big reveal. I'll say. Yeah. Okay. Or thirty-six, as I've typed in the in the thing. A small screen score. The one serious criticism I have of this film is it looks a bit shit. <laughs> it looks like it was made for TV. There are seriously no, there's no interesting lighting in this. Everything's just flat. Even the camera work isn't particularly ace. Mm. What this does mean is it loses nothing at all on the small screen. Five. <laughs> John. Yeah, I think I think Tom's persuaded me. I think I've got to, I've got to go five. Yeah, I think I would agree. It doesn't seem to particularly feel that cinematic. Um, Obviously, I wouldn't know. I've never seen it at the cinema, but um, yeah, I think I'd go five. Helen? I've only ever seen it on TV screens mm-hmm. of varying size. None of them were particularly huge. Um, so yeah, five. And also, I think it's quite nice um, because I don't think there's that many De Niro films on Netflix anyway. So um, 
And also if, if for example, they're like UK Bean, you've never seen it. It is it's kind of one of those kind of quirky, funny films from the 80s that you should watch even, especially if you kind of think of De Niro now as what he is, <laughs> or you've only really watched. Grudge you know, Match. Bad grandpa, just, dirty grandpa. I can't remember the last <laughs> the new De Niro <laughs> film that I've watched. And it's, it's, you just think, oh God, why? Yeah, because Pacino went why? down the hill of uh, getting to bed with Adam Sandler, didn't he, for Jack and Jill? Oh God, I don't even... De Niro's, even the trailer the just Pacino's made not had a, a, a good film in a long, long time. De Niro? Pacino? Pacino. There must be something. Guys, if you're listening... Pacino's the... doing his first film with Martin Scorsese at the moment. It's called he The is. Irishman. Yes. So who knows, that might be a return to form. Yeah, I, I just think... Pacino's been so bad for so long, it's actually making me feel well, he, worried he, for Scorsese. On the, on the sub- subject of Pacino, he was in Scent of a Woman, which Martin Brest also directed. Oh, yes. Yeah, so. cool. good call. Good shout. Did that win? He won the Oscar. He won the Oscar. Actor, yeah. yeah, finally. Um, small Ooh-ha. screen score. <laughs> Just that's the story about Scent of a Woman. You, it's your turn. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Five. <laughs> Yeah, let's go for five. Um, sorry, like you said, I think, I think you um, hit it properly that time. There's nothing really I mean, dazzling. it has got an explosion in it, though. Yeah, but the explosion was, it was good. It was good, solid, strong explosion. It looked like a real explosion. It wasn't obviously CGI type thing, um, but it was well contained within that chasmy, cliffy, fjordy bit. You can imagine uh, the eighteen pulling that off. Yeah, at, yeah, the end of a se- at the end of a season. That's right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> end of season special. Uh, the budgets are higher for this episode, guys. So there will be <laughs> stock footage borrowed from another film. Yeah, they'd have pulled it off by using the footage from Midnight Run. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like a mirror image. Yeah. Um, I knew they had a time machine. But anyway, I thought. Did, did anyone else? Did anyone else think? Maybe you guys have to cast back to the first time you saw this. That he was aiming initially for the person who had the gun trained on Charles Grodin. I didn't at any point think he was training his gun on the on the rear road. So that must be a much higher. I certainly shot. wasn't confused this time around. No. I, I don't remember thinking anything other than he's shooting at the helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Yeah, okay. I, I, I think what the moment he shot and they cut to a shot of the blade, I figured it out pretty much. <laughs> I'm quick like that. <laughs> that's that's the power of editing. Yeah. Um, engagement score. Tom. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a hugely entertaining film. It will it will keep you watching. Uh, again, I think very 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 close to perfect. For yeah, I'll go four point seven five again. Mm-hmm. Does does everything it's setting out to do? Well, yeah, maybe, maybe it's not going to to enrich your worldview about anything important. Uh, it's not going to uh, haunt your dreams with mm. its epic beauty, but it is really solidly entertaining and well made all the way through. Um, yeah, I think one of the things I noticed when I was watching it was that uh, it, it's very distinctly one of those films you might be able to use to illustrate the sort of standard Hollywood formula shape of the three acts thing of there's very clear demarking point of, and pretty much every half hour you have 30 minutes in, he gets groded um, an hour in it's the visit to the family um, in, in Chicago, 30 minutes from the end. It's when he's lost Grodin. Hmm. So it's absolutely got this. And the, 
the reason that formula is successful is because it does work as getting you, grabbing you, pulling you through. Um, the only thing that probably would um, knock it down from a massively high score uh, for me is the fact that I did manage to stop watching it twice when I was prepping it for this. So that knocks it down to a four. Admittedly, that's slightly unfair <laughs> because I saw it last year. And that time I think I did watch it all the way through, but I'm going four. Helen? Um, I'm going to give it a three this time because I've seen it so many times. I was kind of half on the TV. Half. That's not Midnight Run's fault. <laughs> I, I think watching it now, it's, it, it is, I found that some of it was a little bit flabbier and I did kind of get sucked in into reading trivia about it while I was watching it because I kind of knew what was going on. So I can't, I can't say that I gave it a hundred percent attention this time around. Had I watched it, First time around with new eyes, I might be a bit more, but yeah, three. Um, gonna give it a three and a half. I, I think the benefit of it being a new film for me, so um, more involved. And I think tomorrow's the next time I watch it, I think I'll be quite highly engaged there. I think because there'll be things I, I missed and didn't um, didn't pick up maybe on the first couple of times. It's not it's not super layered, but at the same time, it's not um, the the disbenefit of Steve Martin and um, <laughs> you and just Eddie want Murphy. this do you want this film remade no no, no. Steve Martin <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me play this out the, the, the disbenefit if that's even a word is that those two guys they say everything's front and centre and very very clear and very very um, in your face whereas there's a lot more subtle the things that are going on here with mm. Charles Grodin and, and some of the comments you made about the, the looks and mm. how how they played off against each other, I think, would be give it more longevity than than some other films. Um, again, I've forgotten the score I've given it. Oh, well, it's just more than you. Let's go for four point three point three point five six maybe? seven. <laughs> uh, that gives an overall score of four point three three. That's pretty that high. Feels fair. Yeah, yeah. It's a very solid film. Cool. Um, Guys, that was really enjoyable. Thank you very much for, Thank you. for picking it up. Thank Tom. you for having us. Um, let us know where we can find you online, on Twitters, on Instagrams. <laughs> well, uh, we can be found at Best Pick Pod on, yeah. on the Twitter. And just pick P-I-C-K. P-I-C-K, yes, yeah. yes. We spent so long discussing what's the best version. Is it P-I-C <laughs> or is it P-I-C-K? And that uh, we went P-I-C-K because that is an actual pun. That is an actual play on words. The other one just isn't. <laughs> Uh, or type best, uh, or type best pick into your podcast catching device of choice. Yeah. It will come up. Fantastic. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thanks thank you. For Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find us on iTunes. Do subscribe and leave us a nice review if you feel like it. You can find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and the website is FlixWatcher.tv. Thanks, as always, to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Brendan Russell for his awesome editing skills. 